All right, Social on the Sidelines, episode two, with my former guest turned co-host, Amara Baptist of the Memphis Grizzlies, who I'm not talking about because they beat the Timberwolves, woof but woof. that's besides the point. Stop. <laughs> Don't do this. What's going on, Amara? Yo, what's up, my friend? We're not friends right now. Stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's talk about episode two and nothing else. Okay. Um, Episode two, we had a very special guest on, Amara. Let the people know who's on the show today. Yeah, so we talked to Chad Shanks, who was formerly of the Houston Rockets, and now he's at StatMuse. And it was a really uh, great conversation about, you know, how he got into social and about uh, a tweet that you've probably heard of that he sent from the Rockets account. Care to explain? Yes, so uh, Chad put out this infamous tweet that Amara is alluding to um, during a playoff series when he was working with the Houston Rockets when they played the Dallas Mavericks. So more on that to come, but a really, really interesting uh, conversation. The tweet uh, led to Chad's departure from the Houston Rockets, and it was a very well-known story at the time, probably one that many of the folks who are listening know. Um, but if not, you know, we're definitely going to dive into it. Chad lets us know a lot of the thought behind it, what went on after. We'll get into that, but before we get to the interview, wanted to talk through Amara's post of the week. What is your favorite post of the week from the Memphis Grizzlies account, which you run at MemGrizz? Follow Amara and the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, you're going to be so mad at me when I tell you that my post of the week has changed. What? <laughs> I may not be your co-host anymore after this. But, All right, fam, hurry it up. <laughs> um, so last night we played the Timberwolves. Stop. Great game. No. <laughs> Super lit. And Why? at the end of the game, um, I had like, you know, a couple of options of my Michael Bolton gift ready. And one was a sad, <clears throat> super sad Michael Bolton that I was expecting to use, to be perfectly honest. But instead we won and I used a fist pumping Michael Bolton. And it kind of ties in with your favorite post of the week, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. Now that I'm, de- now that I'm depressed, let me let me hop into it. So last week we put out a video of our players listening to either Lil Uzi Vert or Michael Bolton. I will not try to reenact the song. You can, if you haven't seen the video, go check it out. It's great. I'm not going to sing it right now, but anyway, um, got a ton of uh, views from that. It was really cool. Got some national exposure. But the funny thing about it is a lot of folks were giving me credit and my team credit when we were just the ones that hit send. It actually came from Media Day. Our entertainment team set it up. Uh, and just a testament to the amount of planning that goes into some of this stuff. So while Amara's out here celebrating the fact that I was eating bags of potato chips after we lost <laughs> yesterday and very depressed looking at our mentions, um, let's hop into our favorite apps of the week. Amara, go for it. All right. So Visco is my top app of the week, I would say. Um, Super user-friendly. You can edit photos, and you can filter videos now, yeah? Yeah, you can. And so super great. Um, I use it for work, for personal photos. I'm a big fan. Shout out Visco. Shout out Visco. All right, I'm going to hop into one that the NBA made a deal with recently, Headspace. One of my favorites, I used it a lot, especially after losing to the Memphis Grizzlies. It helps me (laughs) calm down and meditate and all of the great things that social media folks should need when you work a lot. 
Um, but yeah, that is my post of the week. Or my app. I'm see I'm confused. I'm still delusional from the fact that we lost. I'm sad. Uh, don't be sad. Okay. Alright. To yeah, make people less space, sad. Though. Yes. Yes. To make people less sad though, I think it's about time that we hop into this interview with Chad. Uh really appreciate Chad hopping on. And I think you guys are gonna really like this. So without further ado. What is going on, everyone? It is Shabazz Khan, Senior Manager Digital Content for the Minnesota Timberwolves and Lynx, with my co-host, Amara Baptist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Is that right? Yes. Mem- good job. All right. Memphis Grizzlies Social Media Manager, joined by a very special guest today, Chad Shanks from Stat Muse, formerly um, with the Houston Rockets. Chad, thanks for hopping on. Absolutely. Um, so just wanted to get started off by you kind of introducing yourself, your role uh, now at StatMuse and your role when you were in NBA Social with the Houston Rockets and how you got there. Yeah, I'm currently with StatMuse, which is a, I joined as a startup company. Um, and they're, what they did was they created a platform to where you can search NBA stats using natural language, which um, I knew was really unique and did not exist before because when I was trying to use stats in my old job, they were really difficult to come about. So um, they reached out to me after um, an incident that I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about today. And, um, you know, they just presented a really cool product and a really cool idea and also um, offered me stock in the company to join them as a, you know, as a startup. So it, it looked to me like a risk that was very much worth taking. And so I did. And shortly afterwards, things just got a lot better. Uh, Disney came on as an investor in the company. Um, we've worked deals with the NFL Players Association to where now we're having answers returned by voice and using NFL player voices. And we actually just recorded with um, former Commissioner David Stern, who's an investor in the company now, to where he, if you ask NBA questions on our iOS app website, um, Amazon Alexa, anything like that, David Stern will answer NBA questions for you, which I think as someone who um, was not allowed within 10 feet of him when I was working in the NBA, it's, you know, it's kind of cool to have a, a, see a different side of him now post NBA. Um, Yeah. So that's what I've been doing, um, helping them a lot, a lot of different aspects with that. And I'm actually starting a podcast for them. If I can shameless, shamelessly plug that right, right now that um, deals with, taking kind of a deeper dive in things that are related to sports, but not necessarily the games themselves. And the first episode is going to be on NBA social media and kind of its rise. And a lot of the guys who are involved in that, including Mr. Shabazz Khan. So that's, that should be released sometime soon. I'm not, I'm not sure when, and honestly haven't decided on a name yet of the podcast. So I'm doing a really bad job of plugging it right now, but uh, it'll, it'll be out there soon. So just follow stat Muse and you'll see it. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Uh, so in terms of, you know, your start in NBA social, obviously, like you alluded to, there was a famous incident with the Houston Rockets. But before incident. all that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> before all of that, you know, a lot of people don't know. And me, when I was an intern, I would always look at the Rockets page and they were really pushing the boundaries in terms of um, NBA social, kind of how some teams are doing now, um, but kind of they were it, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my opinion, they were kind of doing it from the get-go when you were there. And I remember, you know, there was posts like when you guys beat the uh, Cavs and you were like, 
you put the king and crown on James Harden. Like it, it started long before the tweet that everyone knows about, right? Yeah, I think it kind of um, arose out of boredom more than anything. Um, well, to take a few steps back, um, when I started with the job, they hired me post lockout to kind of manage their email marketing, which was the most important thing um, at the time because social media was still Facebook and Twitter were all that was around. It was kind of a joke, even within the organization. I remember being at a all hands staff meeting where every department goes through and reports on what they're doing. And my boss had reported on our Twitter following and engagements and stuff. And I remember the CEO making like a little crack about it, like saying, Oh yeah, I'm glad we're getting those Twitter followers. Ha ha ha. Because, because <laughs> it was a joke back then. Um, and so when they hired me, it, it was kind of thrown on, as an addendum to my daily duties where they, because I later found out literally no one in the company wanted to do it. Um, the beat writer at the time, he didn't want to do it. Um, no, no one else. It was just, it was a waste of time to most people. And so they threw it on me as a new guy coming in. And I remember my first day just sitting in the stands because we didn't have media table spot back then. Cause wasn't necessary. And they gave me an iPad 2 that only <laughs> connected to a Wi-Fi network that barely worked. And I remember just sitting in there and saying, like, what do I do? And they're like, oh, just tweet the game. Like, tweet the score. Give people who aren't watching the game, give them a score update. And I was like, that's it? I'm like, yep, that's it. And so I was like, oh, okay. And it was exciting for at, at first because I was working in the NBA for the team that I grew up loving. And, you know, so it was super exciting. But fast forward after doing a full season of that, and as you guys, and I'm sure anyone who's been in the position can attest to, you get kind of bored. You get you can get really bored watching a hundred something NBA games a year. And you have to kind of find a way to spice it up, especially back in those days when you you really couldn't mix in a whole lot of multimedia aspects. It was a lot of text only updates. And um, so I just, to entertain myself, started, you know, posting things that were a little bit, you know, f that I thought were funny and edgy. And I know not a lot of, a whole lot of teams were taking that approach at the time. Um, the Atlanta Hawks are one exception with Jared Wilson. Um, they were kind of taking that approach. The Trailblazers with Chris Covisto. Um we're kind of taking that approach, but yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of, and I, and I would like to be able to look back and say that I had this grand plan about it being a way to drive engagement or like all these things that make me sound like more of a genius than I am, but it was more just, I was getting bored watching a bad team. That was the biggest player at the time was Luis Scola. Like it was post <laughs> Yao Ming and like, they weren't very good. And, just want to entertain myself and with the mindset of if I was following this, I would hate it like this. I wanted, I would want to do something that I would enjoy following. So that was kind of the genesis of how I started changing the, the voice of the account a little bit. And, you know, it, it was very successful. It caught on really well with the fans and, you know, got to the point to where I was completely trusted with it and didn't really have to give a lot of approval for anything. Most of it was made up on the spot right before I posted it. And I did a really good job of it. I would say I, like, it was something I was really good at and just came naturally. And then one night I was not very good, not very good at it. <laughs> I was good. For, I was good for up until a point. 
and then, you know, the incident, as you called it earlier. <laughs> so could you kind of just walk us through like that night and kind of just the game and the thought process and then the incident, quote unquote? Yeah, so it was playoff series against the Mavericks and the Rockets and Mavericks had really bad blood, especially that season, because it was um, right before it was right after Chandler Parsons had defected and signed with the Mavericks and they did the whole stuff about <laughs> signing him in a in a nightclub and Cuban <laughs> talking crap about the team and Chandler talking crap about the city. So it was just a lot of bad blood there. And I had, you know, the whole series and it was pretty obvious we were going to beat them and it would have been the Rockets first playoff series win. in I forget how long, like it was a long time, seven, eight years, something like that. Most of the staff who had, who were there had never seen a playoff series victory before. So it was an exciting time. And, um, Really, you know, we had that bad blood with the Mavericks. And as it was coming to an end, I just had this idea in my head. It wasn't planned out or anything like that. Um, Like I said, most of what I did was not planned out because to me, it was always obvious when content was planned out. And now nowadays you look at Twitter, things have changed significantly where you, you are doing a lot more planning. But back then, like the emphasis was on that live coverage of the of the games. Right. Mm -hmm. And um so, yeah, I didn't really plan it out. It was an idea that just popped in my head. Just of the Mavericks were an old team at the time um, with Dirk and those guys. I guess Dirk is still there. He's, I mean, he's still going, but an older team. And I had the idea, the idea of just putting an old horse out to pasture. That was the, uh, the that was the, the thought behind it. So I, I mocked it up real quick. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was, you know, it's super trolly, but I thought it was funny and it was emojis. So it was like, no one's going to take this seriously. It's, it's, it's emojis. There's, there's, and there's no actual horse. I want to <laughs> like, that's important. There, there was no act the Mavs don't have an actual horse. So, well, the tweet for those who don't know was a horse emoji and a gun emoji next to each other with the caption. Um, sh- just close your eyes. It'll all be over soon. Which looking back on it, I was like, yeah, Actually, I should, that was my big mistake was not not predicting how some would interpret it. But to me, it was it was just a joke that. It, it, it wasn't serious, right? It wasn't anything that anyone should have gotten mad at, but really underestimated that. And um, and so I posted it and uh, then the game was over. And so you guys know, as soon as the game's over, you have about a thousand things you have to do in a really short period of time before you have to run down for the, the post-game interviews and stuff like that. And I never made it down for the, any of the post-game interviews because I was stopped in the hallway uh, by my boss who was saying, what the hell was that? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't even, I didn't even remember that I did it. I was just, and he brought me in his office and showed me how uh, it was blowing up. And, um, he was, he was like, this is bad. And I go, are you serious? Like, are you, come on. Like people aren't really getting upset by this. And, um, well, I was wrong. <laughs> so the, that, the rest of that evening consisted of me having to like flag down people who were above my boss and talk to them and just go into damage control. And they were saying, delete it and tweet an apology. And I was like, don't do that. That's just going to make it worse. Like if you just forget about it, it'll be gone in the morning. No, deleted, apologize, blah, blah, blah. So they did. And of course, that just exacerbated it because it started a whole new round of people pointing out that we had deleted it and apologized mm-hmm. for it. And um, so it just got worse and worse. 
did not get a wink of sleep that night. Uh, came back the next morning. Um, eventually got a text saying, you know, just come in. We'll talk about it in the morning. So I get there early, even though we had, you know, been working all night the night before. I get there early just in case. Um, and then I just get a call from the HR lady. She's like, can you come up here real quick? And I was like, ah, shit. That's not good. So I sat down and they just told me something about the tweet did not meet the company's values or something like that. And they're terminating my employment. Drove home um, the whole time just wondering, how am I going to break this to my wife? Like, is my career over? Um, what's going to happen? Just a pretty horrible, horrible drive. And then I went home and just, it was a dark, dark 45 minutes where I just sat there and wondering what the hell just happened. Um, and somewhere along the way, I got the brilliant idea that, well, nothing's broken yet. Like the people were still talking about the tweet and did you see what the Rockets account tweeted last night? And it was still, it was still kind of in, in the conversation, but it died down significantly from the night before. And so I get the idea. I go, well, no one knows that I've been fired yet. At the very least, if I tweeted out myself, I'll break the news. I can add something in it, you know, about being apologetic and try to make it look like I'm not a, a psycho horse killer. And then my end goal was I knew I had a lot of fans uh, of my work who were Rockets fans. Um, I had got to meet a lot of them. I did a lot of events with season ticket holders and stuff. You know, there are people who knew who I was. And I thought, all right, somebody, a season ticket holder is going to own a car dealership and they're going to take pity on me and hire me to sell used cars. So I'll at least have a job. That was my like kind of in game result. Um, so I tweeted out a little series of three things. Um, I had and then kind of sat back and everything changed like very fast. So the news cycle started up again. And the story instead of the tweet was that they fired me for the tweet. And so that started making the rounds. And luckily, from what I could see, most of the reaction was pretty positive in my favor. Um, you know, oh, my God, I can't believe they fired him for this. Like, this is so stupid. Uh, occasionally, a Twitter account that had some kind of <laughs> Mavs, uh, something that indicated they were Mavs fans in their, in their handle. Occasionally, you know, I'd get the Nelson uh, from the Simpsons gift, the ha-ha, or, you know, people saying they were glad I was fired. I got what I deserved. But for the most part, it was pretty positive. And um, within, you know, a few minutes, I had people that I knew in the Houston media contacting me saying, will you talk to us? And um, most of them were friends that I knew pretty closely. And I was like, uh, you know, sure, I guess. Um, I thought I would make my case. I would, you know, be apologetic. And again, maybe someone would take pity on me. But long story short, um, a few hours later, after the fourth or fifth reporter had shown up unannounced at my house, knocking on the door, wanting to talk to me, you know, making me wonder how the hell they even found out where I lived. My phone was ringing off the hook. I had national sports radio shows um, calling, wanting to talk to me. Like Jay, Jay Moore called his show, wanted to talk to me. Um, Twitter just kept just snowballing. And at the time, I had had my personal account set up for email notifications because I barely tweeted on it. 
uh, thank God, because there's nothing no one could go back and find to use against me. But I had barely tweeted on it. So if I got a notification, it was a big deal. And so I just sat there and I couldn't turn it off. And all I heard was just the ding of the mail program, just ding, 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 just never stopping. And I tried to keep up with it. And it very soon overwhelmed me. And I had to call, I had to call my wife well, she was still at work and say, uh, things are changing and to keep her up to speed. And I, and I already knew she wasn't having a great time with, you know, no one wants to hear that her husband just got fired. And then to hear that, oh, uh, people across the country are talking about it. She wasn't too happy. Um, this was like her worst nightmare come true. She's like the kind of person who has never gotten in trouble once in her life is, you know, just that type of person is it's just fearful of any type of repercussion like that. This, this was her worst nightmare come to life. And by the end of that first night, um, I had gone back and just been glued to Twitter, just going through, trying to catch up with everything, trying to respond to messages, trying to talk to anyone who wanted to have me on. And I was, I was realizing, okay, this could be, this is something kind of big for me. I need to take advantage of this. Did not sleep again that night because it was just impossible to. I'm awake the entire night. Things are going through. And then, like, the funny thing is the, the other side of the world starts to wake up. And, like, the other side of the world starts picking up these stories. And people are texting me links all the time, like, things that they're finding. Like, these people are talking about like These people are talking about you. And I had to reply in secret saying, take my wife off this text chain. Like, don't <laughs> stop. Stop texting where she can see it. Like, I want to know, but don't tell her. Don't tell her. And so I'm seeing like the people like in Australia. Sorry, you can bleep this out if you don't want me cussing. Yeah. <laughs> Australia was talking about me. I had, I had a guy I grew up with who um, grew up next door to me in Dayton, Texas. And he was scheduled or he was um, in the military and they had him uh, based in Australia. And he and he uh, messages me on Facebook. And he's like, um, why are they talking about you in Australia? I'm like, holy hell. Like, this is this is gone to a completely other level. So that next day, all I did was um, interviews. I just kept anyone who asked who I had remotely heard of. I was like, you know, this is I, this is about saving my career and getting a getting a job offer. So I talked to anyone that I could. And looking back on it now, I think me being so fatigued um, really helped kind of keep me grounded because the whole time I just wanted to make sure I didn't want to bash the rockets because I knew the easiest way to never get a job again was to go on national TV or national radio and start bashing the your former employer. That that night I was getting, I finally went to sleep at some point that I got, I was woken up by a barrage of texts again saying that Seth Myers was talking about me and like that was to to me, that was a, as a lifelong comedy fan. And like my dream was to be a late night comedy writer when I was, you know, younger and like that they were talking about me and Seth like defended me pretty, pretty hardcore. That was, that was just the cherry on the Sunday. And the, the next two days were kind of a repeat of the same, the same thing, still talking to people. I finally, I did the interview with the Levitard show who um, surprised me on air wanting to hire me with, to run their Twitter for the weekend, which I really did not want to do, but they, I knew, I knew it would have looked bad if I would have said no. And they, and they were pretty cool about it. So I ended up spending that weekend doing the Twitter stuff for them. And that still kind of kept the ball rolling. And that was another, 
addition to the cycle was now at fired Houston Rockets social media guy has a job with Dan Levitard. And um, so it just kept snowballing and rolling. And by the end of it, I still had like multiple interview requests from people. And then at that time, people were reaching out, offering me jobs. So I was taking phone calls from people who wanted to hire me, um, you know, which was a great problem to have. It's exactly what I wanted, but I didn't know that, you know, it would happen so quickly and so, uh, so publicly. Um, and so that's when I eventually had to, I promised my wife, like, all right, it's like, it's done. Like I'll stop. I won't do any more interviews. And they were already dying off, you know, significantly. It was the, the fact that it stayed in the the social media news cycle as long as it did, which it was kind of amazing. But, um, Amar and I were, were talking about it, but it, the, the story, obviously there's, there's a whole nother side of it that people outside of yourself and your wife and you and your family would have never guessed, um, the repercussions that came about afterwards, but also some of the, you know, hopefully positive, um, stuff that came out of it too, with, you know, getting to talk to your, your idol, I guess, or, or getting some recognition from, from him to all the job offers. So it's just, yeah. yeah. So it's one a, of the, Oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go for it. Gonna, one of the things I haven't ever admitted to publicly was, um, one of the people I was put in contact with during all this was Mark Cuban <laughs> and oh, wow. through people, through people that I knew at the Mavericks, um, you know, told me what would be the best way to get in touch with him. And so I, 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 I did, I was, you know, on a, on a, you know, about as cocky as I could have been at the, at that point saying, you know, like this, this is going great. I might as well shoot my shot here. And so I did, I reached out to him and we ended up exchanging messages back and forth for a couple of days. And, um, people that knew him said, don't beat around the bush with them. Like get to the point, tell him what you want. And so I told, I was telling him like, you need to hire me. Like there's, there's only one good way for this to end. Like you hate the rockets. I now hate the rockets. Like there's, there's, there's only one <laughs> way for this story to end. Um, so I was pitching myself as being able to come in and help with some of his other digital properties. Like I didn't, I wasn't saying get rid of your mass digital people. I didn't want that. But, um, long story short with that, he was super cool about it. Um, you know, I had never even barely even been in the same vicinity as the Rockets owner, Leslie Alexander before, but, and now here I was having this long conversation with Mark Cuban and having my own personal like shark tank moment. And, um, which was super kind of scary and intimidating, but again, the combination of just adrenaline and fatigue, I think helped me be a little more, a little more assertive than I probably am on the, on the everyday, uh, basis. But yeah, but at the end of the day, he was like saying he, didn't know what he could offer me that wouldn't backfire greatly with the, with the NBA, which as you guys know, the NBA is a little more close knit than I think people, people realize. And if he would have hired me on, I think it, he would have faced a lot of backlash. I think the Rockets would have went straight to the league and, you know, talked about that. He was trying to humiliate them, blah, 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 something like that. But anyway, it was really cool that he did that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel the same. Tomorrow. There's, there's not much else that could uh, encompass how I felt about that besides the word "wow." Um, that's intense. There's, there's a lot of aspects to that that I would have never guessed. Like things went really well for me, all things considered. Um, you know, I, I know I, I was in a very lucky position, just being like, I, I can't imagine if people found out it was Shabazz that did that tweet. You know, you have a whole section of people who are just going to look at his name 
and, you know, start attacking him for that. You know, if Amara, if you did it, it's like, oh, well, there, there's a woman running the account. That's what you get. Ha ha ha. Like, I was lucky that I missed any any type of just hatred that could have come from that. Like, if, if anyone says white male privilege isn't real, like, just point to me <laughs> and say how, like, I got away with with what I did without without, you know, just an extreme amount of hate. And most most people ended up, I think, I think the moral of the story is if like, no one thinks what I tweeted was a bad idea or was a good idea. I mean, sorry, it was a good idea, but it was like the punish did the punishment really fit the crime. And so I came out of it at least publicly pretty, pretty lucky and getting multiple job offers to where I, I, I chose the job that I have now based off of a couple different um, offers that I had out there. But yeah, I found out like months later after the fact, and even just this within the last week, yeah, you don't go through something like that without it affecting you. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't realize it, like it, it, it definitely has some lingering effects. And um, even though there were some bad things that happened, like for me, it was, it was the craziest, most incredible experience of my life. Like something that, you know, that, like I said, I was incredibly lucky compared to how, how things could have went. Um, so yeah, it was me living out the best. It was the best four days and the worst four days of my life, like existing simultaneously. What after the tweet kind of led to the stat means position? I know you mentioned that it was a lot of interviews, um, in national media, a lot of job opportunities, but how did this come about? And, and why was it the right choice, you think, for you? Well, they they definitely weren't at the top of my list initially. Um, so I listened to your your first episode, learned a little bit more about Amara. And um, coincidentally, like the my main option was Fox Sports, who reached out to me. And we got pretty deep into conversations and negotiations about a role for me with them. Um, being kind of like their a Darren Rovell, but for social content, like it was really exciting opportunity. And right as it was about to happen, they like laid off half their employees oh, and wow. I get an email from them like, uh, yeah, so this isn't going to happen. Like, well, crap. But in the, in that time, like I had m- multiple things I was going back and forth with, um, and StatMuse reached out and wanted me to just help them part time some of their marketing efforts and they said they would throw some stock options at me. And I was like, you know, cool. Maybe I can, maybe I'll do that. And I didn't really, I didn't really pay much attention because a lot of the offers I got were from startups. Like I got multiple pitches from people who says, you know, we're just two guys working in my garage with a dream. Uh, like literally that's, that's how they pitched it to me. And so I did, I was like, I have a family, I have a mortgage, I can't, you know, I can't afford to be taking that type of risk. But StatMuse kept coming back and we kept talking and I, I really, I really liked the product that they had made. I knew that it was incredibly unique and something that if I had had it when I was working with the Rockets, I would have used it every single day. And they wanted me to be a part of helping grow it, develop it and take the next, take those next steps. And they ended up getting um a little bit of money before disney came into the fold and um so they got a little bit more money and they offered me they said you know we can bring you on full time um if you're interested and 
they're like, and I was like, they're based in San Francisco. And I was like, I really don't know if I want to move out to San Francisco. And they're like, oh, no, no, we're going to be a distributed workforce. You can work from home. And I was like, done. Let's do it. And um, yeah, so that was a big selling point there. And since I've been with them, we've seen some crazy things. Like, like I said, I got to, um, I've worked, got to work with a lot of athletes still in the NFL and things like that. And, um, my main qualification for doing all these recording sessions with them is every everyone in the organization knows that I can't be impressed by athletes, <laughs> you know, as you guys, I'm sure have gotten to that point. You're like, like, Oh yeah, that's just, yeah, I don't care. I don't care that you're a star running back. Like I need you to show up on time and read this <laughs> script. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't care how many, how many fans you have, how many autographs you just signed, like just read the damn script. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's been it's been a lot of fun, and um, I'm glad that I did it. But one thing I would strongly recommend for anyone who who's doing the NBA social life, which I know you guys will probably continue to get into in your future episodes, like it's a brutal grind, especially if you're traveling with the team. And I would go weeks at a time without really being home and awake at the same time as as my wife. And um, I went from working 90 hours a week, 100 hours a week, whatever it was, away from home, and then all of a sudden being at home all the time. So that was, that was a huge uh, life change right there. I probably should have uh, tried to take a more gradual approach to it, but, uh, but I'm glad that I did. And now like we just, we just had a baby and um, some able, I don't understand how people do the NBA life with kids. I know a lot of people do it and um, doesn't mean they're bad parents or anything like that, but just trying to think back, at doing the job that I did and trying to be involved with a, a kid in any way, like I, I can't imagine that. And so StatMuse has been able to provide, you know, opportunity for me to see my daughter grow up a lot more than, than a lot of people get. So I'm, I'm really grateful for it. And I think the company still has a, a good future and it's exciting to continue to work for them. That's awesome. Congrats on your baby. Congrats. Thank you. And I know that like one thing, me and my wife were talking about, I was like, so someday she's going to Google me if Google still exists. <laughs> and like, we're going to have to explain some stuff to her. <laughs> I'm, hope I'm hoping maybe, you know, that maybe it won't be till she's an adult or something. You know, kids don't tend to care about a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to have, I, my parents never had to explain any um, times they were, uh, they were in Australian news. Like they never had to, I never had to ask, Hey, you know, why, why were you fired and talked about on TV? So that's, that's something that I'm going to have to, I know eventually one day explain that to her. Like the, the, the talk that I have with my daughter is going to be, you know, not about sex or anything. It's being like, here's why, here's why daddy goes 30 pages deep in Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question for you. So before the, you know, the tweet, obviously, what were some of your like, favorite parts of working, uh, in NBA, in the NBA? Um, just overall, I still, I still remember what it's like to walk into the arena on game night and just that, that electricity in the air. And that just, that feeling of being there. Like I, like I grew up a Rockets fan. I, I just being a part of it was always cool. And no matter how tired you were, how upset you were, you know, bullshit that you dealt with on a daily basis. Like it was always cool to just walk in, walk down to the floor and be able to take pictures and warm ups. Um, I always remember that. And 
you know, if I miss anything about it, it's just that, that feeling right there. But, um, I, 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 I'm getting better at it and I'm trying not to be too, too bitter when I look back and think about how things ended and letting, letting that cloud everything that, that came before it. Um, I'm getting better at it. I'm not saying I'm completely good at it yet, but you know, you get to, you get to see and do some things in the job that people would, would kill to be able to do, right? If like the Minnesota Timberwolves fans knew that, all right, all you have to do is murder Shabazz and you can have his job. <laughs> like there would be a lot, there would be people with torches outside your house, right? Oh no. Because it, it, because it is like people, it's, it's a job that's highly desirable. And uh, I know that I was very lucky to get it and to be able to see and do some of the things that, that I did. And um, it's all, it was always nice getting, recognition for it and seeing that fans and media outlets and stuff like that appreciated what I was doing and the kind of the attempts I made at being funny up until the last one, like all went over pretty well. And I never got disciplined or anything like that. Um, most the people internally were very supportive or apathetic towards what I was doing, depending on the season. And, um, yeah, sorry, I'm just rambling on about this too, but yeah, I know that I had I had a very cool job for a while and there were some bad parts that came with that just the the fatigue, the the low pay, the the hours, the social media never turning off, just kind of being on call 24/7. Yeah, there were some bad things about it, but I I I had a really really cool job for a while and got to do some really cool things and um, I'll always be grateful for that, regardless of how it ended. For sure. Um, when it, when it comes to stat news and, and what you do now, you said, you know, you, you kind of keep an outside eye on social and, and NBA social. But what are kind of some of your favorite accounts? And that could be inside the NBA or sports or outside. Just who do you think does social well and why? I really... As far as like team social after my time there, you, I mean, I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, but that's why I wanted to interview you was because like you and Jason with the Kings account, like really just took it to another, another level, which, uh, which shocked and delighted me with all the, the things you guys were doing. Um, and I was, I was sure you were going to get fired. Um, and of course, Chris, <laughs> Chris and, uh, and Dwayne in, in Portland, I think have, like their rankings on complex of being like the best accounts in the NBA for three years straight, I think is, is very well deserved. So, um, I still would keep, you know, keep an eye on it a little bit and I'm still part of the, they haven't kicked me out of our little private Facebook group yet. So I keep, you know, keep a little eye on what everyone is doing, but, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if my approach that I did with the Rockets would even be advisable right now because of how much more scrutiny there is and how much more important the accounts are based on the revenue that they're generating and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I still think there, there are going to be people out there that figure out a way to work within it and make it as interesting as it, as it used to be while, while, you know, wading these dangerous waters. But I don't know, as far as, I'm trying to think of outside of the NBA, like favorite accounts. I don't know. I'm drawing a, I'm drawing a huge blank right now. Um, apologies well, I, for that. Yeah, no worries. I will tell you, and this is not because you're on it either, but like the stuff that stat news has done in terms of graphics is like, 
it's amazing. Like, you know, especially before that I knew that you were affiliated, actually, you know, I, I would see some of the, the graphics that were put on the Instagram page and it was a testament to, to some of the creativity that you guys are, are putting out there. Like it's, it's pretty cool to, to be able to uh, see the way that you're able to convey, um, you know, seemingly mundane statistics um, that people are posting on Twitter as, as text tweets, but you guys are able to um, showcase it in a different light. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I can't take full credit. I don't, um, I've only designed very few things myself. We have some very, two talented graphic designers who put, make that stuff look as good as it does. But, and it, it was a kind of a debate I had with the, the founders early on because they, you know, kind of were wondering, why aren't you doing what you did with the Rockets? Like, we like that. That's why we hired you. And I was like, number one, like, it's only been a few months, fools. Like, I'm still kind of in trauma. <laughs> number two, like, uh, I want to do something different. And I, I, I wanted the that account to have a different voice and that brand to have a different voice and to be – because it, not every branded account can take the approach that a team account does because it just, it just won't work. Um, I'm still waiting for that. When whoever's running Wendy's, um, like, I think you're on borrowed time. Like you, <laughs> something's going to go wrong. Like it yeah. just like, watch out. Got Wendy's guy or girl, like, <laughs> like simmer mixed down a bit. Is fire though. The mixtape was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if you saw that, but they put out a mixtape the other day and I, I'm Wendy's not, did? I like Wendy's a legitimate <laughs> hold up let me let me see because i was listening to this when i was i kid you not i was in the shower yesterday <laughs> and usually you know i'll have like some r&b playing but yesterday was wendy's mixtape hold on let me see if i can pull it up just because now i'm interested to see chad's reaction because right there it was quite he was like wendy's put on a mixtape that's what i thought too but it's good it's good but yeah i don't know it it's great. It's getting people to talk about them. And I remember wanting to do th things like that for the Rockets, for brand awareness and stuff. But then you ask like, all right, Wendy's put, puts out a mixtape. What is it like a Spotify playlist or something mm -hmm. like that? Like, yep. all right, Wendy's puts out a playlist. It's all, I'm guessing songs about hamburgers. I mean, I have no idea, <laughs> yeah, but it um, is. It is. Oh, yes. I'm like, and that's cool. And people, people are talking about, it, and I guess that shows that it worked that we're talking about it right now. But at the end of the day, you got to wonder, all right, how's that going to help them? sell more hamburgers than McDonald's. Like, does that make you want to, does that make you want to go out and buy hamburgers from them? And I think, yeah, like, God damn it. I've gotten really bitter about a lot of things. <laughs> so, just like, just wondering. Well, well, hold on. Let's see. Let's see if listening to the mixtape changes your mind. Let, let me give you a sneak, a sneak peek. So it's a song that says frosty. Yep. The cold with the flows, but the beats ain't frosty. <laughs> hey, good for you, Wendy's person. Like, <laughs> just just learn from my mistakes. <laughs> uh, you, okay, so you did bring up an interesting point, though. Um, how different it is from from being able to run a team account to to any other endeavor. You know, I can attest to it. You can attest to it. Amara can too. Um, being outside of the industry you know in between when i was an intern i worked at a social media agency in chicago that did social for like athletes and celebrities um helping out on their sponsorship posts and it's a completely you know the reason i was hired much like you is because of some of the risks that i took with the timberwolves as an intern and folks were you know wondering why i wasn't able to bring the same thing to these individual pages but 
I, I just wanted to to bring light on the fact that some of the team pages, you know, the the brand and voice at each place you go to is so different. So, what are your thoughts on kind of honing in like on the creativity, but also not being able to take some of the same um, risks you were able to take before? You know, I think a lot of things, a lot of things I tweeted, and a lot of things the guys and girls around who tweet great things for NBA accounts, NBA team accounts, like you step back and you know, all right, well, this is funny or this is engaging mostly, but not in and of itself, but because it's coming from a team account and with already a built-in fan base and just kind of an, an attitude and an expectation already that this is not to be taken super seriously. Whereas you you know we've all seen the bad tweets from other branded accounts who are trying to be funny and granted i mean i i'm still worried about wendy's guy or girl but they they do a really good job of it compared to some of the other ones who you know just google twitter fail brand twitter fails and you find a whole bunch of list of the bad tweets that they've that they've done trying to be funny or trying to be something that they're not and you have to really take that into consideration that that approach that works so well for teams or other kinds of accounts just won't work with, with everything. And at the end of the day with stat news, like what was our, to me, it was like, what was our goal? Our goal is not to have people think, you know, how funny we were because it didn't, we didn't have any engagement numbers to sell to advertisers or anything like that. For us, it was just, it was more about building brand awareness as to what the company did and what the company was all about. Whereas with a team, everyone's heard of the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? So you're not just putting out stuff showcasing that you're a basketball team. You have to take it to another level. So depending on where the company is and their growth in their in their stage of existence, you have to kind of adapt things. And we have StatMuse does get a little fun and a little more cheeky with, with things uh, in the past. And um, with my role now is kind of moving away from being as much involved with the day to day there. Um, but yeah, you just, you, you have to know who you are and what you want to accomplish and know that, that approach will not work with everyone. And even with the ones that has worked with how the general atmosphere online is changing, it may not work much going further because now everyone's trying to do it. Every, every team is trying to be a little sassy and funny. And at the end of the day, if everyone's doing it, then you're not really sticking out. And so you have to find another angle. Every time something gets commonplace, if you want to stand out, you have to, you have to do something a little different. And I think, that's what made NBA Twitter back in 2011, 2012 so special um, because it was it was unique, like with the exception of the, the Los Angeles Kings account that were run by Dwayne Hankins, who's now in Portland. Um, no team account was was trying to take that approach. So it was novel. It was unique. And now with everyone doing it, it's like, well, what's the point? You got to do something else to to stand out. So, again, I'm rambling a lot about. A lot of stuff. I hope that answered your question. I have a question for you, if that's okay. So I want to know, and this is something I've only been able to get answers from Harain Joshi because I, I wanted to know more specific things from him. But what was all right after my tweet happened? 
I know a lot of teams I heard like had meetings about it, you know, to make sure this doesn't happen to them. So I just want to know, like for you guys, how did what happened there affect how you went about your jobs or did it at all? So um, go ahead. Do you want to go yeah, first? Yeah, go ahead. No, you go. Okay. So I actually was not working in the NBA at that time. I was actually at Fox and I remember seeing it like in real time because I was covering the um, the playoffs, obviously. And I just remember seeing it just go completely viral. And I was kind of following it, but because I wasn't in, you know, the NBA social group, it didn't really um, affect me personally. Shabazz? For sure. Yeah. Um, so I think around that time, it was kind of towards the end of my tenure with the Timberwolves as a full-time intern, but um, it didn't necessarily affect me at that point. Um, I, you know, around the office, people had talked about it, but it wasn't necessarily like, you know, a moment of don't do this. There was times here and there, um, I will say surprisingly, and even outside of the NBA, like people had brought it up, um, you know, in job interviews and, and been like, you know, what would be surprising? Like I, I've had people ask what, did you think about the tweet or what would you have done? So what do you say, Shabazz? What's what's your answer? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the honest answer, and I kid you not, I, I had this uh, interview once and uh, I believe it was for a different company in Chicago and they had asked about the tweet and um, I said, I knew you and I thought you pushed the, the limit really well. Um, it, it's one of those things that makes social uh, a unique place to work in because in any second, the way that you phrase something, whether you intend it to be or not, it's, yeah. it's super fragile. That's a very nice way to answer it to my face. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm just, no, that 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 was the, I, if I had to just sum it up quickly, like my mis the mistake was not anticipating how it could have been interpreted, and that's a huge part of the job. And up until that point, I'd been really good at it, and I made a huge mistake, and. Um, like I always, I compare my analogy. I know Shabazz, you shared like, I think it was Jason's analogy of running socials, like building an airplane in the sky while, yep. while it's flying, something like that. Like mine is, um, you're just running full sprint through a minefield and just hope, just hoping to dodge everything. And for like three years, three and a half years, I was really good at running through it. And then I stepped on the, the biggest <laughs> one there was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I totally yeah. understand. I'll give you an example on my end. So uh, when I was with the Kings right after we traded DeMarcus, uh, and DeMarcus, you know, like not only from a team perspective, what, what it, was it a unique place because we just traded our star player, um, but also some of the commentary, you know, was there, there was some, there was a lot of negativity. There was some positivity. And from a personal perspective, like I knew DeMarcus pretty well. and him and I communicated uh, about social and, and, and stuff like that. So I wanted to make sure when I was on the Kings after that, that we weren't, you know, I was trying to be as careful as possible, but also still trying to be the engaging, you know, entity that we had established at the Kings. And we were playing the Pelicans, I want to say later, we played in New Orleans um, for the first time after the trade. And somebody may, I don't remember who, but somebody, hit a little nasty move and we said something about putting a defender in a smoothie 
and we were playing in New Orleans in the name of their arena as Smoothie King Arena. So stupid name, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Stupidest name for an arena ever. (laughs) But folks started hopping into our mentions and saying that we were trying to take a shot. Um, at New oh, Orleans yeah, of course. and the Pelicans. And for me, it was like, oh, no, like, you know, he just put somebody in a blender, but there's 300 people yep. saying, oh, you guys are trying to take a shot at DeMarcus. And it's like, like you were saying, it's those split-second things that it's so important. And, and now, you know, it, a testament to, I think, where NBA Social is go- going. Um, I think, like you said, a lot of organizations are starting to realize a little bit more of the value in it. So there's a lot more of a headcount. But I'll say, you know, it was it was great to have Jason and everyone that we had on staff in our digital department at the Kings, because we, there was a lot of times that we wanted to send things or we didn't want to send things based on checking it off to that person. But that was one of those times where it just like, you know, it, it kind of took off on its own and that wasn't my yeah. intention. So and, totally understand. And I was thinking about what you're saying about it being brought up when you were interviewing. Um, like a weird thing for me when I was interviewing for jobs afterwards was walking into a place to interview and everyone already knows who you are. And right. people were like quoting me to me. And they were like, when you were on the Dan Levitar show, you said this, you know, what did you mean by that? I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is a new, this is a new thing. And like, I've heard stories about it coming up in other interviews and things like that and being used as examples in um, seminars and things like that. And there was one particular where I, I used to work for this um, tourist attraction place in Galveston. That's like, an hour south of Houston, like on the water. And I, I had a, like a full-time internship, kind of like you did out there for before I got their job with the Rockets. And so they had some kind of employee um, training day or whatever, and they had some speaker come in and was um, talking about social media marketing and got to his section about, you know, how it can go wrong and brought up the Rockets tweet and talk, talked about how bad it was and how ill-informed and stuff like that. And he, they started, they started booing him. <laughs> they just started going, boo, boo. And uh, someone had to like pull him aside and say, yeah, that guy used to work here. <laughs> I was like, oh, should have done my research. But yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, I don't know whether or not I'm like proud of myself or ashamed of myself because like I said, I got cool experiences from it. Um, I'm known for something, uh, but you know, is that the kind of thing you really want to be known for? I don't know. I'm going to keep telling myself that it is, um, even if it's just a matter of me, uh, you know, self delusion to help me get through every day. But um, I don't know. Let's just say I would for the the two of you if you're thinking about it and saying, you know what, things turned out all right for him. I'm gonna tweet this crazy thing don't do it do not <laughs> do right. it not I, worth I, it <laughs> i think that's a good segue into yeah. you know we, we don't want to take too much longer of your time but i did have a question um if there was one thing you could tell to to anybody who wants to get into social and not just nba social but just social what would your advice be i think it's the same advice that you know has been given forever for any for any writers or for anyone who's doing anything creative. It's just know your audience, know who you're talking to, know what they like, what they don't, what you can get away with, what you can't. And 
in the NBA, that's it's a broader term because the first thing you think of is the audience is just your social media followers. And of course, that's a big part of it. But you also have an audience of your ownership and GM and the b-ball ops side and the players and the corporate sponsors. And it's, you know, it's, it's, there's so many more eyeballs involved now than there used to be. And, um, to just know, first of all, what your goal is, if you're going to, whatever approach you're going to take and make sure that the people who sign your paychecks, are, are, are good with it, that, that it's an organizational outlook and that everyone's on the same page. It's good advice. For sure. That is great advice. I think that's about it. And I'm don't ever use a gun for, any, <laughs> for anything. <laughs> also, also that. They have don't, a, don't, a water gun. Oh, now, they changed though. it to yeah. a water gun. Yeah. I saw that. It's like, it's like too I, late assholes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny. Amara, do you have anything else? I, I think that's all I have. No, I think I think that answered everything. Chad, thanks for hopping on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man, this it. is a great therapy session. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we're here for, right? Your bill will be in the mail. 